Welcome to Grimdark Live, weekly webcast for all things Dice Dragons, Demons, and a Dwarf in the Warhammer Worlds. I'm your host, Patrick, and as always, we got a great show tonight, man. We are going to be talking about uh, Orc Warclans, and we got Iron Jaws as the main uh, main piece to this one. And uh, But before we get into all that, uh, thanks for joining us here tonight on Grimdark Live, and, and if you like our show, please don't forget to give our channel a like or subscribe if you haven't already done so. Uh, also, in tonight's conversation, we are going to be talking about armies and their respective lists, so uh, if you have a list that you'd like to uh, share, leave it in the chat or in the comment section below here in the show notes, and uh, we will definitely uh, uh, talk about that. But, uh, all right. Here we go, man, you dice-chucking, glue-sniffing gamer goons. Here we go. Tonight, we are going to be talking about Orc Warclans, specifically Iron Jaws. And we're going to be looking at some lists uh, for this Iron Jaws army. And I want to say this right now. In in my opinion, uh, these lists are ones that, it, it, and again, folks, this is my opinion, but these lists that we're going to be talking about tonight with our awesome guest are ones that uh, really find success in what I like to call the traditional rawness of Orcs. Uh, Oryx, however you want to pronounce it. Uh, I think many of you here are going to find the list very interesting. And with that said, man, uh, tonight uh, uh, I have with me our very own Greenskin Mega Boss, Joe Benson. Joe, how you doing, bud? What do you hear? What do you say? Not much. Just happy to be here again, Pat. Absolutely, bud. It's been a while, but uh, thank you for uh, for being back with us. And and I got I got to be honest with you, dude. You know, you bring so much to the show, and and this is really your army. I mean, there's one other army that you do play that we're going to briefly touch on here. I don't want to spoil the soup yet, but. Uh, but I, I will be. I will say, when I think of orcs, I think of you, dude. No, no, no offense. I'm just telling you. That's what I. That's what I think of. I guess I got to shower more before I show up. <laughs> but but thanks for being with us, Joe. And, and I really look forward to the conversation tonight as we dive into Iron Jaws. Now, Joe, as, as I as I want to say here, you know, in all seriousness, orc war clans, specifically Iron Jaws, have really been your main army for quite a while now. Correct. Uh, yeah, since they were released as Iron Jaws. Um, I came right. in at the beginning of AOS, um, so I didn't have like the Black Orc armies. I did have some of the models because I got them from some of my friends, but as soon as the book was released, it was actually my first true army. Um, I did like the classic everybody does, starts with like a Stormcast starter box, um, but the first army I branched out to that really was my own was Iron Jaws, yeah. Sure. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I know you also play a little bit of uh, Chaos Dwarves and, you know, folks, mm-hmm. I'm going to say this right now. We got, we got Oathbreakers coming up. I can't share this, the goods with you right now, but, but stick with Grimdark Live because we got some stuff that uh, here soon we're going to be talking about Oathbreakers. Um, that's going to be the new Chaos Dwarf. But yeah, but that's your other army and you're still playing them, uh, you know, true, true and blue with that army. You, matter of fact, this last Saturday right at our there, war meet. There it is. Right yeah. There. Right there, folks in the back. There's, there it is. And, and, and so real quick, I know this is a sidebar here, and I do this all the time because of my ADHD, but tell everyone just how you came about that Chaos Dwarf Army because it is a really cool story. Real quick. So I did what a lot of people do, and I looked at it, and I looked at Forge World and went, it'd be really cool to do that one day. 
Um, and then uh, the Bears had a game in London against the Raiders, and I decided to use that as an excuse to go to London and see the place. Um, and I did a day on my own. I traveled and trekked through uh, through England and made my way to Nottingham and uh, went to Warhammer World. And I was sitting in Bugman's eating a burger, and I was looking at the website, and I said, you know what? I'm only going to be here once. I'm only going to do this once. I want to bring back something special. And I actually purchased about 3,500 points worth of Chaos Dwarves or Legions of Asgore um, directly from Warhammer World in Nottingham. And fun fact, the boxes actually beat me back from London to my house. <laughs> that is great. That is a great story. And, and that's what I think is also so iconic about that army. And, and folks, I'm going to tell you right now, Joe is an incredible painter. Um, he's not going to tell you that. He's not going to brag about it, so I'll do it. But his his ability to put this army on the table, I'm going to tell you right now, with the way that you got the lava bases and everything, and then the way you got the armor painted, folks, I'm going to tell you right now, it, it looks like you're, 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 you're going up against real chaos dwarves. It, it's a fantastic-looking army. And, and Joe, you play those uh, you play those little bastards pretty well. Not as well as your Iron Jaws, but pretty close. It helps that no one knows their rules. That so you know that what? Always, that easier. Yeah, I mean that that's that's a true innate tactic, right? I mean, if the, if if no one's familiar with your army, and they haven't played it before. You got you got a little bit of a leg up on them, at least at least through one or two rounds. Yeah, uh, the black shard armor definitely throws people off every game when they try and get used to it working on every unit and not just once per turn. Right. Right. And, and I will say this, uh, we're going to, we're going to sidebar the Oathbreakers or the Chaos Dwarves or the Legion, Legion of Asgore right now. Uh, but when, when, when the, when the book drops and we get, we get some more information, you, you got to come back, man. You're, you're the Chaos Dwarf guy. hundred percent. I'll be back. All right. Awesome. Well, let's, uh, let's get back into Iron Jaws here, folks. Now, Joe, when the Red Book, as I like to call them, when the Red Book, uh, dropped on this army, Orc Warclans, when it was introduced uh, back in 3.0, I think it was December of 2021, and I don't say introduced, I mean introduced into 3.0, uh, back in December of 2021, I believe it was that. But regardless, um, the reality is, competitively, Orc Warclans have always tended to skew towards the top. And at the time, in 2.0, Big Wah was uh, known for being best for, for in, in second edition, really, while Pure Iron Jaws do better these days in 3.0. There's almost always, um, at least I would say, one Iron Jaws list in the top seven of an event. So they're, they're, they're doing well for themselves. And here later on in the show, we're going to be looking at a bar chart that you actually sent. And I've seen on the webs uh, uh, previously. But I, I do want to touch on that because that was, a, that was a really cool thing that you brought up. And folks, what I'm referring to is Joe and I had a brief conversation. Uh, uh, normally we argue. If we're not drinking together, we're arguing. Uh, but in this case, we actually had a conversation <laughs> no, um, about uh, about this about this chart that we're going to be showing you here a little bit. But but you know, um, when I say that they're on the top seven, I really mean that. I mean, have you experienced the same, Joe? Um, I feel like they definitely, if you play the game and you learn the rules, they lean towards more wins than losses. Um, I think the reason that they do tend to do well, though, is because a lot of people who are newer can pick it up and have success with them. Um, they're easy to get into, harder to learn the real intricacies that can make you go from, say, like a two and three and three and two player to a four and one or five and oh. Um, so I, I do feel like they do lend themselves to wins just on the rules based on the cards, um, if that makes sense to you. It, it, it does. It does. And, you know, I, I, I like kind of what you led to because it kind of popped a thought in my brain 
Um, you know, coming into 3.0, I mean, in general, and, 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 you know, you, you might correct me on this, but I think I'm pretty, pretty straightforward on this, on this thought process here. But in general, in 3.0, unit costs went down, um, some by quite a lot. And I'm talking about as the army as a whole, but, but the good news is really for what the all, all three factions in Orc Warclans, they went down, but specifically this worked out really well for Iron Jaws. And I, I think we will see some benefits to these point changes here in the list that, that we're going to be looking over that you that you that you currently play uh, and that you presented here uh, here later on in the show. But but I think you know I think we're going to see some benefits to these point changes in the lists that we're going to be looking over later on, right? Yeah, um, you find yourself having more points than you know what to do with, which is weird for an Iron Jaws player. Before <laughs> a lot of Italian points happened, and now. You're spending them and going, I can really get two more units where I used to just have one battalion to do something cool. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I remember, you know, and again, not to lament again, like I did with the Oath Breakers just now, but, uh, you know, in the beginning of 3.0, I remember everybody, kind of, right shortly before 3.0, everyone's kind of complaining that battalions went away. I think that was the right move. But again, another show, another, another topic. But overall, <laughs> Joe, um, that's another thing, folks. Joe and I are a couple of Irish guys, and, and we're going to go off topic quite often, uh, and especially you know because we've, we've probably been drinking before the show started. I'm it's kidding. Very hard. There's no one to get us back on the track. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. So, But overall, Joe, uh, do you feel Iron Jaws, or I guess I should say Orc War Clans overall, have improved since the introduction of 3.0? Um, well, I feel like I had them pretty dialed in at the end of two, so I was pretty happy with the way they played. Um, I had a lot of good synergies and a lot of good rules kind of comboing when I was playing. Um, I feel like the new book, it was, when it came out, it was real heavy to try and push the Cruel Boys with all their new tricks and rules that, especially with the Iron Jaws, a lot of things kind of got overlooked. Um, some of the units kind of stayed the same, but some of them got a lot better, um, and I think that's where it kind of balanced out. So I don't want to say it got better or worse. I want to say they kind of hover around the same. They lost some tools, but they gained some other ones. And I think overall the army itself has kind of stayed in the same realm as far as the differences between the last two books. Okay. All right. I, I like the way you put that. And a lot of that could be the fact that other armies have changed as well, right? Uh, but the good news is, you know, and as we're going to be seeing a little bit more improved tonight, the, the, the Iron Jaws specifically – uh, because really, let, let's face it, you know, uh, Orc War Clans as a whole, you know, Iron Jaws are going to be at the top of the heap. Cruel Boys and and probably, I don't know, Bone Splitters uh, are going to be at the bottom. Big Wah and, and I would say Iron Jaws are, are going to be more at the top of the four, three or four factions, sub-factions in the book, right? Yeah, I would say more people are going to be playing Iron Jaws and Big Wah. I have seen a lot of people sneaking in with bone splitters lately at local tournaments. Right. Um, not so much on the bigger level. I've seen that a lot across the Facebook pages. A lot of people doing well with the bone splitters at them. I think if you get a real masterful bone splitters player, they're going to do pretty well with that army because they've got some real nice rules. Okay. All right. And another show, we got to talk about who wears a loincloth better, fire slayers or bone splitters? Not sure yet. Not sure. we got to figure that one out. Well. The bone splitters are wearing the ones off of Seraphin, so that can make a lot of players happy. You know what? That's that's very true. That's very true. Uh, but good stuff, man. But but since tonight's show is specifically on Iron Jaws, let, let's let's roll with that sub faction as a discussion point uh, coming up here later on in the show. Uh, Joe, thank you again very much for for definitely for being with us tonight, buddy. No problem. But here it is, man. Here's the big question, man. So, Joe, let me ask you: Are you staying true? Are you sniffing glue, man? What's happening in your hobby life or your tournament life? What's going on? So 
if you see me look over, my hobby table's right to the right of me right now. Um, I actually just printed out all new paint racks and brush holders, so I reorganized my whole table. So I am staying true right now, and I have uh, actually I have some Chaos Warriors that are in the middle of being painted because I have a couple Chaos Armies back there that you can use the coalition with. So I'm just trying to get some stuff up to snuff that I can use for multiple armies. Yeah, yeah. You know what? Um, I'm I'm definitely sniffing glue. Uh, this week's been terrible. I had a Nurgle army I've been working on, uh, but between work and real life, right? It uh, it it that's it. I was uh, I, I I haven't done a darn thing. As a matter of fact, the last thing I had anything to do with with getting a game was was Saturday. Uh, and and but my hobby is complete. So yeah, I'm I'm sniffing glue. I got nothing. I got nothing to uh, to say. But I will get back on track and have something to. To show up, but that's okay because you know, as I've said before, my painting sucks. I'm not like you, Joe. I'm not, and I, I, I'm never going to be like that. You know, I, I, I feel like the quadriplegic trying to learn how to dribble from Michael Jordan when I hang around with your, with your painting. So anyone who who uh, paints 300 novelers should have figured out something by now. There was a purpose with that, though, Joe. You don't understand the grace and the wonderful just just what novelers really are. They grab you your soul. You I with played me? against the army. <laughs> You know what? I will say, folks, and this was back in 2.0, I, I finally brought out the famous Nobbler 300. Uh, and it was, Joe, it was the only time I actually ever saw you a little nervous. I mean, you, you still you still got that win. You still eked out that win, but you were a little nervous there for a, a little while. I had you. It was mind-numbing the, sh- the sheer vast amount of models you had to cut through <laughs> to win the game. Oh, Nobblers. Um, and your, your crazy rules about no metal shock and 60-man units was just... It was yeah, it crippled my brain for an hour. Yeah, that's for sure. See, folks, I warned you. Two Irish guys. We've already talked about like seven or eight other armies besides Iron Jaws. <laughs> this is you know. <laughs> All right, here here we go. So let's get into the news here a little bit because uh, we got uh, we got a pretty light news uh, week. I guess that's 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 pretty good a little bit because uh, we got nothing in the rumor engine this week, right? But we did have something here that I found interesting uh, in the White Dwarf. We got some Karajan Overlords uh, rules that are coming out in the White Dwarf. And I apologize about the lousy uh, scans here, but that's the best I could provide right now. Um, Aethergold, it looks like, uh, you know, have you have you heard about this, Joe, as far as what some of these abilities are? Some I have not. You know, I'm hot and cold, too, with the White Dwarf as far as how they release things. I mean, I know you want to be a spoiled gamer and want the book and want the book, but I like what the White Dwarf does. But I also would like a new book too. Um, but uh, you know what? Th- this one, I think, I think it's going to do some things. You, you know what I think this is, honestly, Joe. What they're going to do here for the Karajan Overlords, it's going to be a little bit of a boon, like they did say for the Beast Cl- uh, for the uh, uh, the Beast of Chaos. It's not going to make them great. It's just going to help them and make them a little better. Um, you know, some of the things that I came across are, you know. Uh, and folks, if you're out there and you know a little bit more about this, uh, please uh, leave that in the chat section so we know. But I guess Aethergold abilities are going to be tied to uh, core triumphs, you know, plus one to hit, plus one to save, you know, plus three inch charge, all that kind of palaba. And, and I think these 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 free up CPs to spend elsewhere, you know, um, you know, in the game. I, and, and that's what I'm understanding that they're going to be able to almost like they're going to use Aethergold as credit, if you will, you know, towards, you know, uh, um some of their core triumphs, which I think is kind of neat. You know, it, it's kind of a banking system, if you will, with that. And I thought that was kind of a, a neat way to put it. Um, another thing that I heard about was uh, generic command abilities. Um, I forget. It's like, it's called like Aether, Aether Gold and Glory or something like that. And, and a unit can, can basically disembark from a boat 
and, and start off uh, the shooting phase from the boat. So I, it, it's some, some, some stuff that I've heard. And again, there's only about a half dozen that I've heard. But overall, what are your thoughts on the Karadran Overlord Army? Um, you know, I, since you really haven't gotten into this news piece that much, I mean, what are your thoughts on them as far as when you see them on the table or their lore or their, you know, kind of briefly on that one? Um, you know, I've, uh, I've had a couple of friends who have played them since they first came out. Um, when they first came out, they were kind of one of those armies that people seem to not really understand how to play effectively. Um, when the second book came out and they got the fly high and the free disengage, um, I think everyone was on the same board that they became probably one of the most frustrating armies to play against and no one wanted to see them across the table anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Now in this new edition, you know, it's kind of random in a little bit with a smaller table and they can get people can get to you, reach out and punch you, so to speak. Um, right. So I think giving them a little more options at least brings them back into the fold, especially for all the people who feel like their army got super nerfed by the table size. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and you know, it's funny if you look at the fly high thing, you know, that's, that's passed over into other armies, you know, Magakin of Nurgle now, you know, you can take a Lord of Afflictions and, and he can take some Puskrow Blight Lords and they can fly high. So, you know, that mechanic has spread to other armies. So obviously, you know, GW saw the benefit in that and the, and the, the, the players did as well. So, yeah, and that's what, that's why I wanted to ask you about Karajan Overlords, because when the army first came out, it was kind of a gaffe. I, I don't think, I don't think GW really knew what to do with the army when it came out. In other words, I said this before a while ago on the show. To me, with Karajan Overlords, GW kind of felt like the Labrador that finally caught a car. They didn't know what the hell to do with it. And I think aesthetically, it sold the boats and, you know, the the little bubble dudes. Uh, it, it seemed like a great army. So when this, when when, when it came through, three, you know, 2.0, uh, it was doing fairly well toward, you know, well, until the end, it didn't really do that well. And I think 3.0, they tried to give it this boost. And some of the grand strategies that I've seen in the, in the White Dwarf, you know, there's one called, um, it's called Aethergold uh, Prospecting. And it's kind of neat, you know, over the course of the game, you can, you can uh, take each objective, um, you know, and I, I want to say you can take each objective at least once. Um, and, uh, I, you know, I guess, you know, you, you literally take them off the board. So it, it, it may be a, a powerful little piece that they can do. You know, they got neat, they got nice little battle tactics. You know, they got one that's... Uh, uh, piece through superior firepower. You, know, you can destroy D3 units uh, on this turn. And so there's there's a lot of things that I think they're trying to do with the army to give it that uh, that boost. And, and we'll have to see, you know, because like I said, I think everybody went crazy with the Beast of Chaos uh, when, when, you know, and it did help them. It did help them quite a bit, but that's what I, that's my prediction here with the Karajan Overlords White Dwarf update. I think it's going to be something that's going to uh, help them get a little bit better. But I don't think it's going to turn them into a five and zero army because I think right now I think it's fair to say they're a what a three and two army maybe. Good player to have them playing at the top tables just because of their their movability, mm-hmm. um, the chance, just the, the way they can get around the table. I think you'll have a lot of guys sitting at top tables. They might not be winning the tournaments, but they'll be hanging out around the top all day because they're in every game with well, the different tools they have where they can move. I, I like the way you put that. So you're thinking you're thinking that. Uh, the army itself, you think right now they're before the white dwarf update. Are you saying they're more of a four and one type army or are you saying they're five and oh? Well, yeah, like the the guy that I played at Armed Forces Day last year. I mean, if he's still playing him as tough as he is, Nick's probably got him as a four and one army right now, pretty much every tournament. All right. Um, so, yeah. and the new tools will only help more. It's yeah. interesting, though, that you said about the holdover with white dwarf. Something that made me think about was right before they came out with the War Clans book. When the Iron Joe's book was out, they put like a little supplement in the back of a general's handbook that gave some extra abilities and skills to uh, the Iron Jaws. 
And it was just a holdover until the new book came out. So maybe they're doing something similar like that. They're just giving just enough to make the army playable and not fall off while they get their new book out for the KO. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? Um, I like your attitude, man, because I always tend to regress to the more uh, negative side of things because I want Karajan overlords to be a great army. And, and I, I think, again, um, I always kind of felt like GW kind of is, is missing a, a puzzle piece or two with this army. And uh, I, I'd, I'd like to see him uh, uh, put a little bit more into it. But you know what? I mean, we'll, we'll see what this white dwarf does for him. Um, I think I think good things are about to happen. But, folks, coming up right after we come back, we've got finally, we got this man's uh, two lists. We're going to be talking heavily on Iron Jaws. And, and yeah, so uh, Cyborg, a.k.a. DJ Moose. I think I know who you are. Smashing Bash, yeah, that's coming up. Another comment here, Hobbiton Handjob. <laughs> what a name. What a name on the chats. No Hobgrot list? Got to go. Hey, dude, that's that's uh, that's Cruel Boys. And we gave you Cruel Boys, man. Grimdark Live. We gave it to you, man. You heard it first here. And you know what? We're going to be talking Cruel Boys another time, another place. But you know what? Stick around for this Iron Jaws stuff, dude. We got a lot of cool stuff. All right, we'll be uh, we'll be right back. Good stuff on the way. Hey gang, I want to thank you for being with us today on Grimdark Live. Thanks for being with us on tonight's show. But before we get into our main topic here on the show, I want to ask you to head over to GrimdarkLive.com to enter the Nerd Bunker and become a supporter of the show on Patreon. There are six different levels to fit the support you may be interested in, and all provide special benefits and services to our members. So please head over to GrimdarkLive.com and become a patron of the show. And while you're on GrimdarkLive.com, check out our podcast or blog sections, attend an upcoming event, or... Should you know that GrimdarkLive.com has some great products in our shop, t-shirts, hoodies, caps, dice, and a ton more, so get your swag on with Grimdark Live merch. Also, from GrimdarkLive.com, you can find us on Twitch, Twitter, Facebook, and other social media platforms. We're constantly updating the website, so check it out for new stuff on the site. But with all that said, we just want to thank you for being part of this show and being here with us tonight, here on Grimdark Live. Now, let's get to the main topic of the show. Here we go, folks. We've got uh, we got Orc War Clans. We've got Iron Jaws specifically that we are going to be uh, getting into. So, gang, uh, I want to say this right now. With this topic tonight, I don't think it's going to be a surprise, as I kind of briefly mentioned at the top of the hour uh, when we started the show. I don't think it's going to be a surprise to anyone to learn that this Iron Jaws list and this army has been doing very well and very cons- in a very consistent manner. But our guest tonight, uh, if, you go, if, you're, if you're just joining us... Um, has, has a very experienced knowledge. I'm going to say that. I'm going to say that about you, Joe. You have a very experienced knowledge of this army. And, and, and I think we're going to... Lie to the people. Lie yeah, to them all. I'm, I'll tell the truth if i got to lie to do it, man. But but anyway, I think I think we're in for some good conversation on, on the Iron Jaws. So, Joe, let, let's get into this. But before before we right. actually get, get totally into your lists, let's chat here on a high level on Iron Jaws as a whole and, and really talk about the good, uh, the bad, and, and, and the ugly. And just like we kind of said uh, at the top of the show, uh, Joe, I'm going to go and I'm going to show uh, the, the the bar chart. So because I want to talk yeah. a little bit about that. And and, and recently here, folks, uh, there was a bar chart graph that was produced uh, that has been circulated around uh, the webs, uh, which shows the win rates of each one of the factions. Now, 
Uh, we've we've had a conversation, Joe and I, outside of the show on this, and Iron Jaws were sitting at a 50% win rate, or more specifically, Big Wah and Iron Jaws, respectively, are sitting in the top 10. You know, if you look at this, it's ninth and 10th spots currently. Um, you know, you made mention to it, Joe, it, it seems like a common theme in regards to Iron Jaws, who are, you know, still an awesome army. But it seems like a, col- a common theme in regards to Iron Jaws on why they're maybe struggling a bit right now, which I agree with. Still a great army, but I think they've had a few hiccups. So talk to us a little bit about that. What, what are your thought process on that and where the army currently stands now in the meta? So looking at the 50% win rate, I think when we had talked, um, the people who, who like to run these in tournaments, um, a lot of people tend to gravitate towards the list that's heavy on Maw Crushes and Gruntas. Um, and it does a couple things. One, you're going to run away from your War Chanters usually, which means you're going to lose out on that buff after the first turn. Um, and two, you're playing a super alpha-style game a lot of the time because a lot of your skills and damage are going to come early in the game. So people who have learned how to play against that list have learned how to sometimes weather the storm. And it's created more of a coin toss game when you play the Grunta Maw Crusher list um, against some of the guys who have other meta and top tier armies. Um, and especially if they can win the turn, because a lot of times with the Iron Jaws, you can end up losing the turn and people can make you go first and you kind of either waste your first turn, you got to back up and then they can hit you pretty hard um, with the second half of the turn if they're in the right spots. Or you alpha really hard and then they double turn and you lose two thirds of your army possibly before you get to go again. Um, and then you've lost that game. So I think that's why we're kind of seeing a 50% is because there's more of a coin toss scenario in that list that's more common in the tournament setting right now. Okay. I, I really like that answer because you, I, th- I think you really wrapped up the whole essence of where the army was and where the army is now. And what I'm interested to see, and I think we're going to look at one of your lists tonight that I think is a sleeping giant. Um and it's going to be the first list that we're going to look at, by the way. So, so, and I really, I like this list. I like it because it, it's, it's a raw, as I said at the top of the show, it's a raw take. But I think, I think what you said was exactly right because people have figured out the Maw Crusher Grunta list and they had to. I mean, the, the response to what that list was, because so many people were playing it, and it's like like what you said with your with your cast dwarves at the top of the show. You you have a lot of success with them because most people have never freaking played against that that army before. And look at all the articles and everything that was ever written about the Iron Jaws and the Maw Crusher Grunter list that have been you know talked about, and people have you know they poured over the War Scrolls. I mean, heck, they're free now for God's sakes. So I I think what we're seeing is a response to a very powerful list. What I'm curious of is what is going to be the next adoration of Iron Jaws? I think I think the list we're going to, one of the lists we're going to be looking at tonight is going to definitely be that. But where do you see the army's next evolution going? Do you think do you think double wall crushers are still going to be a thing? Or what do you think? In response I think, to I what's mean, happening. They, they they put a lot into adjusting the maw crusher cards. Um you can see it in like their wound count and the way their attacks work. Um just giving them those extra wounds in general to where they're now up to 18. It really feels like they're pushing the Maw Crushes hard. Um, and then if you look at the way Iron Jaws have worked, they've kind of rotated what's been strong with every update they've done. Um, at the beginning, it was kind of a little bit of like the Brutes had some some crazy rules that no one really understood what they just got hit with. And then the second book came out and Ard Boys became super popular because for their point cost, they had a lot of wounds and a lot of damage. 
Um, and then all of a sudden it became the Gruntas, which kind of carried over into this list. Um, but even if you look at the Gruntas now, they're really, really strong and they've got the mortal wounds on the charge. But once again, if you run away from everything with them, you're going to be kind of feeling like you kind of have a wet noodle on turn two and three sometimes. Um, and once again, now they've kind of snuck in some rules on the brute. So I feel like they pushed the Maw Crushes to be really centric in this in this army. And now they're just going to continue to rotate which of their three units kind of gets the buff with each book. Yeah. And, and, and I like that you said that because one of the key elements that I queued up on in your statement there was in reference to one of your lists. I'm not going to give away the goods, but you have a very, let's just say, minimal amount of gruntas in your lists. I'll just I'll just leave that right there for for when we uh we we get to the review of of those lists here coming up uh pretty shortly. But but that was the that was the the, the chart that I referred to earlier folks that I wanted to kind of show everybody because I I think that um well, I I think that that says a lot uh to kind of where the state of the game is right now because that's a new bar chart. But earlier in the show, we had mentioned that Big Wah was considered the way to go uh, when you're playing this army back in 2.0. Uh but it got knocked down pretty hard from the original dominance of 2.0 now in, in 3.0. And it, it's usually more advantageous to go with one of the single race sub factions instead, specifically iron jaws. But Joe, when, when I, when you talk like that, when I hear myself say that, you know, I, I feel like I'm over pushing iron jaws, but, but is that an accurate statement? I mean, in, in, in your opinion, as someone that plays this army? It is. And uh, I have all three of the orcs war clans and I mix them all together. I mix and match and, there are some really nice things that you can do in Big Wog, but really when that last book came out, that chart was so strong and it really, really just powered up the army almost ridiculously. And now with the new chart, it's taking maybe half of the power-ups that they had, the different buffs and whatnot out. Um, it really feels like Iron Jaws are the strongest of the three to put on a table regularly. Yeah. Yeah. Not to say that someone can't win with Cruel Boys and Bone Splitters, but those are the ones that are going to have the most success on a regular basis. Right. Yep. Okay. I like that. And 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 uh, uh, Darktron sixty nine. We got some we got some comments on the Rogue Idol coming up too here, buddy. We're we're going to get to that one. But but Joe, back back to back to this one here. S- since the release of three and Iron Jaws, uh, you know the army Iron Jaws specifically are sitting well on top currently, uh, not only in the meta, but also in the book. And that's why I kind of wanted to ask that because, you know, I wanted to, you know, th- there really is a real, a real thing here with this army. And, uh, you know, when, when I, when I look at where the army's at now, still doing very well, doesn't mean they have a couple of hiccups, doesn't mean they're doing poorly. They're still doing very well. As I said, they're doing well, not only in the meta, but also in the book itself. But what are some of the 3.0 changes that, you would say really help the Iron Jaws out in, in gameplay? Um, so when they came out, I actually felt like a little kid at, at Christmas. Um, they brought back some of my favorite things. Um, the one thing I think that they've really done is they've kind of addressed on the different cards things that might have been lacking in the army. Um, and they did cool things that really make units still usable, even if they nerfed them. So like in the case of the Art Boys, they took them down a wound, but then gave them a rally rule that actually I'll talk about later, but helps out because you can rally on a four instead of a six. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I love that. And they, they kind of went and they went to the brutes where the brutes got hit with the nerf real hard in the second book. And they gave them some more updates in this one. And then the grunts went up in points, but then instead of having to use a battalion for 
the the charge bo- uh, the mortal wounds on the charge, they gave it to them on their card now. So they did a lot of little things to kind of like make it make it well rounded for every nerf they were giving it. They gave it a little buff too. So okay. I think that was what they kind of did in 3.0 to to keep from overpowering one thing and making it so that everything was viable. Yeah. Yeah, and, and you know, and, and speaking of that too, I think I think some things remain the same. You know, take Maw Crushers for instance. You know, uh, w- when I look at a Maw Crusher, I, I think right away, you know, um, going to be powerful, and, and you're going to have a fight on your hands. But in 3.0 specifically, you know, they benefit from you know monstrous rampages. You know, they benefit heavily from monstrous rampages. Actually, uh, they they now have mount traits um, that that make them work even better. Uh, the smaller game board, I think, makes alpha charges, you know, uh, more certain uh, with, with this type of a, a type of a list. I mean, you're pretty much guaranteed to have that happen. And, and really, finally, in my thought, of course, uh, I would say that the generic command abilities uh, help you, you know, uh, the same as anyone else, but probably a little bit more with 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 this army. And we're going to talk a little bit about that later as well. But all out attack. You know, if you think about that, you know, to, to eke out that extra damage for smashing and bashing uh, or, or what's the other one? Uh, redeploy. Uh, to better move your stuff into position for the charge. I mean, I think there's a lot of also uh, baked-in game mechanics that already help out the army that I would say is more advanced than what it was in 3.0. It, I mean, you're, you're the guy that plays them. Was that was that a good way to say it? I mean, I, I play against them, so that's what I've experienced. Yeah, I also fully agree that even though everyone was kind of leery about the smaller table... Um, the smaller table plays hugely into Iron Jaws and the fact that they can move extra um, with the with with the mighty destroyers and they have ways to get around the table faster. Um, and they're an army that wants to hit you, so being closer. Like the first game I played with them, it just felt amazing to have everything in combat in like turn one. It was awesome. Um, you, you so I definitely, it definitely you, agree you, with that. You did it to me. I was there. You did it to me. <laughs> I might have done it to you. I don't know. Yeah. No. Um, but okay, so 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 speaking of small boards moving fast, three What about Kragnos, Joe? I mean, is is he better now? Uh, as far as you know, is he worth taking? In in an Iron you Jaws, know, I, I, I really really like his rules. Um, if he was still able before, like it was a whole keyword FAQ everything. If he was able to use their legions abilities, I think he'd be an auto take in every list. Um, right now, I can see a lot of people taking him in an Iron Jaws list. I don't know that I can see people taking him competitively because he's a huge point suck and a giant target. Yeah. Um, okay. So you might get your Kragnos shot off the table before you get to do anything with him. He doesn't make a charge, and now you've spent a lot of points, and he can't play where you could have had three or four units of Brutes or Gruntas possibly running around that people couldn't just focus fire on. Yeah, and, and you know what's funny is is I only ask that question because I've actually seen him in other destruction armies, you know, i.e. Sons of Behemoth, i.e. Ogre Maw Tribes. Um, but my question about, you know, is he, is he worth considering in an Iron Jaws army with, with his, you know, with his new War Scroll is because I don't know that I've actually ever seen Kragnos in an Iron Jaws army. I've seen him with Bone Splitters. Uh, they've even published that in the White Dwarf. But um, so is that is that anything that you would, I mean, would, so you're saying you would or wouldn't use Kragnos in your list? So I've been tinkering around with the idea of using Kragnos, but probably in a big log. I'm okay. probably going to try and use him with the chart list and get a uh, like a marsh crawler, a marsh crawler, slug it out on the the field with him, where possibly he could be in the bubble for the buff. Um, 
and see how that works out. Um, I think that would be my best chance on an Oryx war plan list for him. I did watch somebody post that they went 3-0 and running a Maw Crush at Kragnos list. Um, wow. It was kind of what my my other list kind of is kind of built around. It was similar to what I did, um, where they kind of stayed away from the Gruntas, but they did run. Yeah, it was uh, it was just a, Ma, a straight Maw Crusher, not the Gordrak, and a Kragnos. And they put those down and then just build out with the rest of the points with the units they could. Okay. All right. Um, you know, you said something a minute ago, and I was I, it came to mind when we were talking about Kragnos, but I, I want to round back around to the Iron Jaws Army as a whole, uh, because I'm really into the innate things. You've heard us talk about it on the show before, you know, not the direct abilities or the things that we all know they can do from their war scroll, but the innate things that an army can do. Like, for instance, with like Magakin of Nurgle, the innate things like, you know, uh, using their... Uh, their disease, you know, to to create havoc on the table. And I think one of the innate things here with this army uh, that I like to mention uh, is that they've got great speed. And we we briefly touched on that. And I think we glossed over that, that we didn't really get to uh, very, very, very well. And I want to kind of go back to that because I've always said here on the show that speed kills Um, and iron jaws are deceptively fast. Although, you know, all your units are slow on paper. All right. This is what I want to clarify. So everyone's not like, what is this guy talking about? But yes, all the units are deceptively fast. That's what I want to say. That's the key word, deceptively, because uh, all the units are, are, are slow on paper. But you have access to a lot of charge bonuses and re-rolls. And, um, you know, have you found their speed? I mean, you, you briefly just said it. So I'm kind of asking a loaded question here. But I mean, you know, your, their speed, you know, this is obviously an advantage for you in this army, right? It's, it's, it is sneaky speed. So a lot of times people see you and if they haven't played, they see a four inch movement and go, okay, well, this army's not getting anywhere quick. Um, but the reality is when you have like a mega boss out there on a Maw Crusher and he issues a command and that means it goes to three units instead of one. And on top of that, you give a mega bossy. So now he's doing it for free. Now you haven't spent a command point and three units get to move in the hero phase. And then on their turn, they'll get to move again. So You've now got an eight-inch movement plus your charge, which if you log your charge, you'll have a bonus. Um, some you can re-roll your charges. Some of them have charge bonuses on occasion, like for the different uh, for the different allegiances or uh, the different clans. Like there's just different ways to get to move around. Now they did slow them down a lot from two, from the last book. They did slow them down a lot because you used to be able to get across the table on the other person's turn. Sometimes it seemed like right. Yeah. With the way that the wounds worked, where if they were mad and you hit them and you didn't kill them, all of a sudden they got to move D6 just mad because it was the end of a series. Yeah. Yeah. Mad as hell. Um, yeah. I, I, you know what? I just realized I didn't know they got rid of that. Okay. So I just, I just, okay. I just learned something new. Um, but Joe here tonight, uh, speaking of lists, uh, we're going to be looking at two different lists and, and, and really discussing the units and thought processes that you had behind, behind them. And, and, and I find that the first list particularly uh, to me is very interesting as I've, I've actually played against it, uh, by you or, or a version of that list. I mean, if that wasn't the exact list, the average person wouldn't know the difference, but, but I think I've played a, a, that list or very close to it. Uh, but before we get into both of those lists, I thought we could discuss some honorable mention units from the Oric War Clans book. And, and of course, honorable mention units that are not in your current list that we're going to be talking about tonight, you know, lists that in the book that you would consider playing or utilizing uh so what are, what are some honorable mention units i, I mean the, i think the only one that's not in either of my lists is gordrag um because there's only 
I think seven total units if you don't count yeah. the warblings, um, <laughs> the, 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 the underworlds guys. Like if you don't count the underworlds guys, there's three characters, three unit, uh, three regular units, and then there's the Makrasha and Gordrak. So okay, um, eight total if you count both variations of the Makrasha. <laughs> so there, there's not a lot of room for honorable mention because everything kind of gets put in the list. Anyway, but I mean, you mentioned Gordrak. Oh. So, what what are some what are some things? I mean, he's a name character. Uh, you know, obviously can't take certain things. But but what about Gordrak? Would you recommend? Um, he's a lot of fun if you want to mess with your opponents. He's he's got a lot of damage output, and when you get the extra attacks going and you start healing wounds, he all of a sudden can become a one game wrecking ball. Um. The reason he doesn't end up in a lot of my lists, unfortunately, is because he becomes such a target that he very rarely gets to do stuff before he gets into the game sufficiently for his point. Yeah. Yeah, and I find with an army like Iron Jaws, the philosophy of, oh, well, if they're if they're shooting at him, they're not they're not paying attention to the rest of my army. That doesn't always work with an Iron Jaws army. You know, sometimes that can that 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 can work against you if they take a model like Gordrak off the table early. So that is a great yeah, point. Yeah, and Gordrak Gordrak kind of has to go hero hunting because his named weapons are better against heroes. So when you get a Makrasha, you got more versatility than a Gordrak. But when you got Gordrak out there and you go after somebody's hero, now he can do extra mortals when he does his attacks. That's always a nice little added uh, bonus to him. Yeah, which reminds um, when you me. Go hit yeah, which reminds me, you got a you got a unit in one of your lists. We're going to be talking about that appears to me when I was reviewing your list earlier. Looks like it's kind of a a hunting type of a unit. So we'll, but we'll save that one. Um, for me, honorable mention, and I know I'm kind of taking a left turn at Albuquerque here is, uh, the rogue idol, you know, all right, here it is. Darktron 69, uh, we're, we're, you know, rogue idol, man. Uh, rogue idol is, is for me. I, I think, I think this big ugly bastard should be in every list, uh, where it can feasibly be placed in. I'm going to say that I'm saying that honestly, because here's what I love about this thing. When you when 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 you when you charge, you can add one to the hit rolls for the for all the attacks. Uh, the the living idol is a plus one to cast for all friendly orc wizards. Uh, I think it's a plus one bravery to friendly orc units, and the goddamn thing's got a five plus ward save. I mean, I've said all the time, the three things I look for in a unit to take in an army list is reach, rend, and ward save. This guy's got it all. And you know, as a sidebar, and I know, I know we're talking Iron Jaws, but folks, we warned you guys. I'm, I'm going to be jumping off topic because you got two Irish guys on the show right now. But uh, with the Rogue Idol, incidentally, you get all of that for 430 points in an Iron Jaws list. Say with Mighty Destroyers, you know, you get a free normal move, or, or, and here's where I'm going to go with this: a Cruel Boys list, because, and I love this. If you can get this off, super sneaky. I mean, think about this: it's command trait. You could potentially Set this big guy up right in front of your opponent's lines and then charge. That's just a ball. I just there's just something about that that I think is great as far as as far as an you know an honorable mention uh, unit. Uh, and uh, if that can still be an honorable mention, it can be right. That's fair. It's, I mean, it's not necessarily in the book, but it's fair to say, right? Yeah. If we're if we're gonna fringe out to there, then I would probably throw in the fungoid cave shaman was always a great take for Iron Jaws armies as an ally. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the, the army's not as as command point dependent as it was, but getting extra command points for an army that has abilities that give you bonuses to hit and things that'll help you wound and extra charge, you know, extra chances to charge in your turn and and because they have bad bravery, you know, you're almost always going to be using one for a bravery. 
Um, so having an extra chance at a command point was always huge to Iron Joe. Yeah, yeah. You know what? And you're right. And and, and that was another thing too, as far as, as far as Bloom Spite gets go. I mean, so you you mentioned you mentioned the uh, uh, the shaman, but uh, you ever consider taking anything like the trogoths, the fellwater trogoths, or or rock gut trogoths, or anything like that? I mean, as far as as far as an allied unit, because that is an ally for the for the army. So in my tournament list, uh, second book, and right before the second book, I was actually tinkering around with some allies where I would bring some some of the uh, the grots uh, with the stabas and throwing in some lunatics. Um, <laughs> Fanatics, yeah. My thought process back then was everything in Iron Jaws back then was made to hit really hard, and I wanted something that could really just bog down on an objective. And then I thought in my head, how great is it if someone finally thinks they're going to go get the objective and then your lunatics pop out doing D3 mortals and going crazy all over the board. Yeah, hiding those fanatics in, in your in your grot list are priceless. Um, I forgot about that. I, I do I do miss seeing games like that. Uh, um, I love that. But all right, so enough about all them other orc nonsense here. You know, uh, we're, we're here to talk Iron Jaws, and uh, let's definitely get into this. So, Joe, we got list one, man. This is your um, this is your infantry list. This is the, this is the one that I find. Very, I'm not saying that there's one necessarily better than the other, but I, I kind of prefer this list because, as I said at the top of the show, to me, my opinion, this kind of captures the rawness of what orcs are. Uh, but here it is, man. Let's. Uh, you, you got grand strategy. You got hold the line. Your triumphs are indomitable, and you're carrying three battalions in this thing. You got iron, uh, iron jaws, fists, the hunters of the heartlands, and the command entourage, magnificent. Uh, so, Joe, take us through your list, man, from the top. Let's let's uh, let's get after it. All right. So so real quick. The the one thing that isn't right on this list is the ten brutes are actually running with the hackas, not the chapas. Okay. They got a two inch weapon, so I don't have to worry about any piling. That was actually a question um, I was gonna ask you. Yeah, okay. All right. Well, yeah, that way they all got the two inch weapons. Um that was just a mistake in making these last night and I was a little a little wired and a little tired, so I definitely missed clicking that button. Um so hold the line as a strategy. If you're playing pure iron jaws and you don't have hold the line. I mean, you've got to be playing a super alpha game because if you're going to play Iron Jaws and you want your grand strategy to, in a win, every single unit you put down is considered battle line some way or another. I mean, the Grunts can be battle line. The Brutes and the Ard Boys are always battle line. So in this list, I have a whole bunch of battle line units and just got to keep one alive. That's not going to be impossible at the end of the game. Yeah, yeah, I, I noticed that, and and but uh, you know your your heroes here. I mean, obviously, I, I I like the way you have your heroes kitted out, um, and and obviously the the you know your you know your your ability here your your hold the line makes perfect sense, and they're not going anywhere very fast. But kind of take us through the philosophy here with your orc uh, your orc mega boss on foot. So, <laughs> I've uh, I've played at orc mega boss on foot, and actually, just as a disclaimer to anyone else who's an Iron Jaws player out there. I don't dislike Gruntas and Markers. They're just not my style. And Pat asked me to make some lists. And rather than take the low-hanging fruit, which is the list everyone's seen with Gruntas and Markers, this is my version of a list that just puts all sorts of bodies on the table and makes you play against a whole wave of of the big log green energy. So, and, and let me, let me, stop your, let me interrupt you real quick. Folks, I've played against this list, as I said before. This is not a chump list. And and Joe plays it very very well, and I think I think there's going to be a lot here to be picked up on with this list. Okay, that I I interrupted you, but go ahead, Joe. Okay, I interrupted myself. Um, <laughs> so the the mega boss with mega bossy, he's going to walk out, and 
right off the bat, he gets to issue Mighty Destroyers for free. And then because of his card, he gets to do it to two units instead of one because he's on foot. Mudcrusher does it on three, but two still works. Um, the other War Chanter, or then you get the two War Chanters, and in the Chapas, they get to issue their uh, Frenzied. Oh man, I can't remember the name off the top of my head, but the Frenzy where you get the extra damage. Okay. They get to do it to three units instead of one if they're Ard Boys or Brutes. So in having a list here where I'm heavy on Brutes and Ard Boys, I can use my command point to turn it into three. If I need to, with both of them, I can turn it into six. Or you could do four and give one to the Grunters and let the Grunters have the extra damage before they go running up the table for the first turn. So you give yourself a lot of versatility and damage right off the bat. Um, and then you give yourself two beats as well. And the reason I gave the one War Chancer, the Amulet of Destiny, with the Get Him Beat is because he's usually got to get up the table and people like to try and kill your War Chanters and take your extra damage away. Mm -hmm. So I figured a ward save on him would make a lot of sense. Right. Um, swinging back around to the Mega Boss, I have just always loved the Mega Boss on foot. Um, I love the way he fights. I love the way he gets up the table. His old rules I used to just fall in love with where he made every brute reroll all their to hits instead of just rerolling if it was a four wound model. Um, it was a great rule to just run him alongside them. But now I've turned him into basically a little killing machine. Um, so he, he's got the artifact destroyer and what I've been tending to do with him is just run him at things kind of kamikaze style <laughs> because I know even if he dies Very orc on my next turn, I'm going to get a command point on a two instead of a four. And I'm not going to miss out a lot on his command abilities after the first turn or two. So I just kind of have been running him at things and seeing what happens. And uh, it worked really well for me against uh, one of our other club members, Dustin, attacked me. Um, and he did it with a hero. And before the turn, I said, all right, I'm going to use Destroyer on this turn. And he killed the Mega Boss, and he was happy. And I go, okay, well, now I get to hit you back. He's like, but he's dead. I'm like, the Mega Boss, when he dies, still gets to fight like he's alive. And I put Destroyer on, so all of his two damage weapons are now five damage. And basically, even if he kills your Mega Boss, your Mega Boss then does, well, anywhere from eight to well, however many attacks you've gotten him up to um, at five damage each. So it was just hilarious to watch. And then because it's in the combat phase and it doesn't say when it happens, it just says if a unit deletes another unit, it activates Smashing and Bashing. So you've pretty much given yourself a almost secure smashing and bashing on the turn to use destroyer on your mega boss. Because you're gonna wipe out a unit most likely with five damage per per uh, hit that goes through. Um so that's why he's kitted out that way. It's it's really a lot of fun to play. Is it the best tournament wise? I don't know, but I don't really care because it's the orky way to do it and that's how I have fun. Yeah, you're 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 playing true to the lore. But you know, your mega boss honestly is very hardy general. I mean he he's he's well beyond its its seven wounds that are on his war scroll. I mean a mega mega bossy is is crucial on this model. Uh, and and really, you know, like like you said, man, I'm just capping off what you said. The the added mighty destroyers is definitely awesome. But you know, in, in looking at your leaders here, you got your two orc war channers. Of course, the air traffic controllers are still a staple in the army. Um, and, and I did find it interesting that that taking two of them, um, you 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 took the amulet of destiny on one of them rather than the arcane tome. So I've seen the arcane tome more and more. But you kind of explained it that you know your your philosophy is the the six plus ward save. You find that more valuable than turning one of them into a priest or, or I mean, a, a wizard. What, what's kind of your, your balancing act on that one? Because really, it, it sinks one up, does it, and the other. Someone's going to come after. Someone's going to come after your war chanters. So I want to keep at least one of them alive through turn three, maybe four, 
so I'm not losing my bonus damage, especially in a list where almost all of my units that aren't, or all of my units that are the infantry and the foot soldiers are going to benefit from the command point where I could give three of them extra damage. So it kind of like gives you just that extra added cushion of not only having two of them, but one of them is even harder to kill. That if they want to then decide that that threat is what they need to take out, then they're going to have to pour more resources into it, which means there's a better chance I have one of them than later into the game still. Okay. You know, and, and like I said, you know what? It's chocolate or vanilla. It, it, it's six when I've dozen in the other because a six plus ward save is, is sometimes about as difficult to make as a, as a seven plus to cast or an eight plus to cast, which leads me to your two shamans. So we, we got we got Darktron sixty nine in the chats. Weird knob shaman. He's been he's been he's been harping on him. We got to talk about these guys. So you got two of them, and I have two of them. They uh they only technically cast once, but they can duke if you have enough guys around them. So they okay. always have a second spell available if people get close to them. Um, yep. So you, you got you got the the, the, the big green hand of Gork on. I'm going to say the first shaman, right? I, you don't really have them numbered that way, but the first shaman, and and it is is a normal spell. I, you see that all the time. Uh, this is the one where it's a casting roll of seven, which uh, in itself is an awesome spell to get off for for what it does. But are you having success getting that spell off at, with with a seven to cast? You know, a lot of times people definitely save their dispels to try and get rid of it. Um, but it's the thought that you can still attack them from anywhere on the table because a lot of their, the, the spells like that are, you know, from a table edge or you can move so far from your unit. This is anywhere on the table nine inches away. Um, so you, you just go and think about your, think about what you're going to do there. And if they stop you, that's fine because you're still fast enough to get up the table, but you've now made them at least respect the fact that you can go anywhere on the table at any point um, with that spell. On top of which, when you have that spell, if you use it on Gruntas or the Maukrasha, and you drop them outside at 12.1 inches away, so you're outside of the charge range, um, you can then Mighty Destroyers and move and get yourself within three. So now you have an extra threat that they even have to think about is that I can move them, and then I can move again with my Mighty Destroyers, and then I could be within three inches of you to make an almost auto-charge for Iron Jaws. Yeah, well, well. And remember, short board. But let me ask you this one then. So you got Foot of Gork on the second Shaman. I mean, wow. I mean, that's a cast. Isn't that a cast of like 10 or 12 or something? I think it's a cast of 10. Uh, is, <laughs> is there is there anything in this book that that can help their casting uh, availability? Or or have you ever there, actually there gotten is, this thing off? There, there is, and I've been tinkering with using it as my command trait. Um, so I've been looking, especially with the way the Chapas are narratively, it makes sense to make your uh, one of your Shamans your general. And if you... Do, the command trait you can take gives them basically anyone that's within six inches it's a unit they can siphon life off of them and for d3 mortals so you roll a d3 and whatever mortals you get you get to add to your casting so if you're going to go super casting heavy i've actually considered it in this list too i'm still a slave to destroyer for the time being but i could see taking the other one and keeping one unit our boys close kind of like you do with uh ungors and kind of just throwing a, a unit of Ard Boys that protect the wizard that's going to use Foot of Gork or Hand of Gork. And every time he's ready to go, he could use his command trait, sacrifice D3 mortals, and get a plus three to casting, plus two to casting, or plus one to casting, which then all of their spells go off a lot easier. I like that. I like that. Yeah. So, so I mean, it, it, it gives you it gives you a, a heck of a better propensity to get that Foot of Gork off if you could do something like that. And and trust me, Foot of Gork is, is worth it. I mean, but... Um, 
I think yeah, they nerfed it, it, but well, it's still pretty great. Yeah, I mean, even even with the nerf, it's it's still it's still pretty darn good. But I mean, overall, back to the shamans. Overall, I, I like the shamans a lot. Uh, they they can play a support role. Uh, usually, you know, um, used to, to cast, as you said, you know, the, the, the great green hand of Gork to teleport a unit across the, the, the field, or, or at least, you know what, they're 90 points, dude. They're a cheap hero to hold an objective. I mean, I, I like cheap casters, you know, great brave shaman, uh, here, here in this case, you know, you know, the, um, the, the weird knob shamans. I think that, um, that, that, that cheap casters are, are, are the best. You know, if if you ask me, I mean, next to a fighty caster, if you can if you can find one, but um, but having having a shaman late game that can teleport himself anywhere is huge. So you're in like turn four oh, or five, that's a, and that's an interesting tactic. Everybody's yeah. on one side of the board. Like this is something I've done a lot of times in tournaments where end of the game you got one wizard and he can cast hand of Gork. They go, yeah, but what are you going to do? I'm going to move me. That's what I'm going to do. And now for your next two turns, if it goes off. You put yourself wherever you want, scoring points away from the threats. Yeah. You know what? Now I remember you did that to me. I remember I've done that. Done it now. to a lot of people. Yeah. And, and it's a it's a great it's a it's a great tactic. But um so so those are your leaders. I mean, honestly, uh, you know, and, and again, there's not a there's not a lot of depth in the bench, uh, as far as the, the, the iron jaws are concerned as far as the leaders, but there's a lot of depth in those units. But the unit, but the actual troops, right? The actual units that are the, that are the troops in the list are the ones that I kind of want to uh, ratchet down on right now. I mean, because this is a body heavy list. This is an awesome list. I love this list. Um, but for your infantry, you've got Ard Boys and Brutes. Uh, the good news is both are great now. <laughs> they really are. Yes. And and you can mix and match really how you want. And I think you've done a good job with balancing that. I mean, Ard Boys are a lot tougher with with their six plus ward save. I love a ward save. Um, but kind of walk us through that a little bit. You got three units of, of orc brutes and you got two units of 10 hard boys and you, you got some, uh, you even got the, 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 the crushes in there, the, the Morgoks, uh, crushes. So talk us through it a little bit. All right. So the brutes are all built to basically go crush things, go kill things. Obviously they yes, want to find things that have four more wounds. They want to find things that have more, four or more wounds, but the reality is with their new rule where anything that's within three inches of them, that's got one wound doesn't count for holding objectives. They become a more versatile unit. So having the little squads of fives can negate a 20-man, we'll say like just 20 skinks sitting on a, an objective because now they're all within three, so none of them count. And your five brutes that are there count as five points, and the, the single-wound model guys don't count at all. And you get to hit them anyway, and you might, you might ace them. But even if you don't, you know you've got the objective. So using multiple units of brutes always comes in handy just for having versatility in the game. The 10 squad is an attention getter. Everyone is going to be scared of that unit. Right. It should be. Because if it hits something, it's going to wipe it off the board. Yep. Um, I, I always bring, in, in a big list now, I always try and bring at least one unit of, group of Gruntas, maybe two, um, just to send up the table early and, and start to just mess with people, get in their lines. Um, if I am if I get a hand of Gork off, it's always nice to send Gruntas somewhere and kind of make people make decisions. Um, so just having the grunts there just gives you an added wrinkle of just getting in, into people's heads, which is great because then right behind it is a wall of brutes and then a bunch of art boys that in this list now art boys, they're not as punchy as they used to be. They, they still have the shield save, which is nice. Um, but their big thing is they can rally. So yeah, right. what you do is you can get them onto objectives and if they get in a fight and there's only two left, but you kill everything else on your turn, 
now you're railing on fours instead of sixes and you get, you know, at, on average 50% of them back. But, you know, a lot of the time you'll end up with a two unit going to six or seven again. And now it's like a fully new unit and someone sees that kind of breaks their spirit because now they got to go punch through all of those two wound models again and their right. shields while they're hitting them back, possibly with extra damage. Yeah. And, and I, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, well, they took their attacks down, but still you can put the extra damage on them. Right. But, but going back to the Gorgruntas, this is what we said at the kind of the top of the conversation here is that, you know, you've got minimal unit, you got, you got one unit, one unit of three, that's about as minimum as you can go. But I, I like your philosophy behind them because Gorgruntas are, one of the best units to plug up that unit or soften up that enemy unit that you don't want to get somewhere or you want to weaken, say, for your, your brutes or, heck, even your Ard boys. And I even like the balance that you have in your Orc brutes with the one unit of 10 and the two units of five. I noticed that uh, that, that you went with the the, the, the paired uh, the pair of brute choppas on the two units of five, uh, you know, because you, you, you mentioned the correction on the unit of 10. And it, it yeah. seems to be the theme in your army play style, uh, as far as, as far as getting the, the, the more attacks in, obviously you're going to get four attacks with the pair of brute choppas and you're going to get the reach with the, with the 10 man unit with the, with the other weapon. Um, but I think the balance in the, the one, two punch that's going to come from the gore gruntas. And then all of a sudden, holy crap, you got orc brutes in the backfield that are coming down on you like, like nothing you've ever imagined. But what I really like is the finishing unit. I call them the finishers, and that's your Ard Boys. you got two units of ten of these guys. And I really mean this when I say this. I think Ard Boys seem to be the backbone or the unsung hero of an Iron Jaws list, ironically. Because you would think it would be the Brutes, really, or you'd think it would be the Gore Gruntas. And it, it's mainly due to the rally ability on a 4+, plus, uh, their 6-plus ward save. And you know what? They're just always there. You, you, you look at the end of a really tough game. And who's pretty much left on the table sometimes? That one unit off to the side of Ard Boys. But I mean, what are your talk a little bit more about your thoughts on Ard Boys? Because you started to make a point there, and then you you know you you went on to something different. But you got two units of ten yeah. Ard Boys. Talk about them a little bit. So the Ard Boys obviously they got nerfed where now they don't have rend and they hit a little worse, but they still are something that you have to take off the table. And when you get to somebody's like base bottom foot soldiers, as far as like just what you're looking at, and they've got two wounds each. That's 20 wounds with the ward save, and they they can have a they can have a rally on a four instead of a six. That's a unit that's hard to delete. So they end up being like the cleanup crew. Um, you end up late in the game with like a lot of four, five, six squads of Ard boys running from objective to objective because no one's gonna wipe them out at the end of the game at that point. And you can still rally again if you wanted, and you can still add more to them, and they're just gonna have sustainability in weird spots that people aren't used to. When you go play Magikin, you know they're going to be resilient the entire time. When you play Iron Jaws, you figure, okay, they're going to hit me hard, but they're going to die. And then at the end of the game, you see Ard Boys that just really don't want to die. And it kind of throws you through a loop mentally. So right. I think that's where their real strength lies in my lists. Yeah, yeah. And 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 that's kind of how you can sum them up in anybody's list. And that's why I said I think they're they're kind of the unsung hero or the backbone of any Iron Jaws list. But what's kind of neat, and one thing I want to kind of touch on with your list here, and I because we we didn't we haven't brought them up yet, is your, your Morgox crushes. This is a solid unit and a very uncanny choice. I don't really see this in lists very often. And what I like about this is that Morgox crushes are, uh, well, quite frankly, they're really good. Uh, they're they're not they're not just kind of a list that you put in there to kind of hold an objective or tie someone up. They they can actually do some damage, and they'll 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 almost always, you know, play themselves 
well, I mean, as far as is a competitive setting is what I'm trying to say. They, they aren't seen that often. And at least in my experience, um, you know, you, you don't, you don't see them. So, but I know what they can do. And yeah, are they, are they in your list? Are they in your list to more or less monster hunt with, with their beast bashes ability coupled with their, I think you alluded to this earlier, having a sniper unit. Um, Right. That's what I was thinking about. Right. When I was looking up your list. They, they are great to just have on a table because they look like everyone else's Shadespire unit, but they hit as hard as brutes. They can get the damage buff. They can get mighty destroyers. They also activate smashing and bashing. So you can either pick off the ends of units to like get it. Like if you see somebody's got one or two models left, you could say, okay, well, I don't want to waste 10 brutes over here and maybe not get smashing and bashing when I know these three guys will definitely kill that unit and get me smashing and bashing. Or right at the beginning of the game or in a mid game where someone's kind of like, oh, what's he going to teleport? And then they see you pop over three brutes that are just like specialized ones and they go after your monster where now if they kill them, they get better for the rest of the game. That really will mess with people, and then they have to really respect that. And yeah. so then they do become a weird target that people weren't expecting to be on the table. And that's the difference between, say, them and, say, a Gordrak. They can be a target and take the take a lot of the pressure off the rest of your army, where Gordrak is a huge piece to lose. So I, I really thought that was an uncanny piece that you put in there, and very clever, because I, 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 I love the crushes. But rounding out this list is really one of my favorite endless spells probably in the game and that's the burning head i mean you know joe for 20 points dude cast of a seven it's d3 chip damage i use this thing all the time or finishing damage i've actually killed off units i wanted off the table with this thing and then poof right off the table it goes it disappears i mean with with the proposal now think about this think about this with with the with the proposal of thondia being right around the corner and being able to eat endless spells this burning head won't be around to get eaten it's a great spell it, oh, it gets yeah, it's gone. Yeah. It explodes. So um, was that your intent with this spell? Turn, it, it's every turn. Like if you're not gonna if you're not gonna try and go for the ten per foot of Gork, if you don't need the home run, then that other shaman that doesn't have handed Gork, he can basically hang out by your ranks where the guys are starting to bunch up because hey, they gotta cut through ten hard boys and that's not an easy task. And you fire a little rocket at him that explodes for mortal wounds right in the middle of them. It's a nice little just chip shot to have to constantly just annoy your opponent as you're more wounding them off the table. And then on top of it, it's not predatory because it just goes away. Yeah. So then yeah. the next turn, you do it again. And then you do it again. You do it again. Yep. And it's, 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 it's Thondia proof. I like the way that sounds, man. And, and honestly, it's one of my favorite end of the spells. I use it all the time with my, with my ogres. I use it all the time with my beastie boys. Uh, I, I, I love it. Um, but, oh, here it is, man. Uh, that, that's pretty much the first list. And, and it's, and it's one of my favorites that you play. Uh, anything to add before we get into the second list on this one? The second list is something I'm envisioning for the future just to really, really to bother you, Pat. Um, <laughs> well, then, it's, it's well, then we'll, get, we'll dive right in. <laughs> it's an elite style list. It's more built just to mess with the guys and to have some fun. Um, yes, it'll probably play better competitively um, just because of the way it's built. But for me, it's just going to be a lot of fun pinballing off people. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, so, so let's, let's, let's dive into your second list. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's a monster of a list. I mean, you know, th- this, this one here is, is the one that, uh, that can keep a lot of players up at night. I mean, double maw crushers, man, enough said right there. So same, same, same heading build with the, uh, with, with, with the war clan, you got the choppas, 
Uh, same grand, uh, grand strategy, hold the line. We already went through that in the, in the previous one, and triumphs are indomitable. So, so your, your, your head-end lineup, as far as how you've got this thing set up, is, is pretty much the, the same. But take us through your list from the top here with, with the, you know, the two mega bosses on Maw Crusher. Let's, let's, let's go through those bad yeah. boys. So the strategy I did think about, because I have less units possibly going with something like Vendetta or just worrying about like killing a general and with my general, but I don't want to take that and make it something that I have to focus on for the game. Um, the way I see it, if you're going to try and kill two mega bosses, I should have a unit hanging around by the end, hopefully. Um, so that's kind of where my decision was there. I, I didn't want to keep them the exact same, but in the same respect, thinking how this list plays, I think if I was playing it, I would probably have a unit of fruits probably running around at the end of the game um, over having a mega boss kill like a general. Okay. So that was my thought process there. Um, and then, yeah, so basically with this list, the Maw Crushes can both issue three commands for one. So I'm looking at this as like a two-wave list kind of thing, where the first mega boss is going to go flying in with the Gruntas, and they're both going to buff like each other. And that's why I put one of them with the monster tra- or with the mount trait um, and destroyer. So he's harder to kill, but he still has destroyer, which you can then put on to the weapons that are on the Maw Crusher, and those are a little higher damage than the mega boss on foot. Right. Um, yeah. So you can actually have like six damage attacks and stuff instead of three um, or instead of five. So I, I just figured I was going to supernova one of my Maw Crushes on this list and just go a little crazy. Um, he's also the one with Mega Bossy. So he basically at the start of the game, if if you get like uh, right up the table, he can he can at the beginning of the game, he can Mighty Destroyers three units, move him up the table instead of one. And because it's Mega Bossy, it's no command point. So all three of them are moving right, to start the game, and then they'll get to move again. So now two of your units and probably something just to get on an objective are two are charging, one's on an objective right away, and the two that are charging are both going to be high damage and take you some time to cut through Yeah. Um, while the second wave rolls into place. And, and that's a and theme so, I've noticed in both your lists. You always have that second wave you know, coming over. You, you always have the cross coming over the jab. I, I've, I've noticed that in, in all of your lists. Well, and I think that's just my style versus other people's, right? Like the guys who, who are really good at the grounds and Maw list, they go alpha and they hit you hard. For me, I feel like I play better later in the game, so I want to make sure I have models around to do it. And I don't know that I can do that playing the grounds list just the way I play. So I always try to make sure that I have like multiple waves of people coming at you just because that way I know I can counter and still play later in the game. Okay, and um, you, you said something interesting there. If we can kind of stick with the Maw Crushers here for a second, because I, I want to get to the rest of your, your list here. But to kind of break this down, and, and I'm, I'm trying to understand something, because I got, a, I got a question for you at the end of this. So you got your Mega Boss on a Maw Crusher, and, and they're nasty. Everybody knows that. They, they hit hard. They do extra damage on, 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 on the Stomp Monstrous action, and uh, then, it, then it gets to move and do it again. So, so we, we, we know that. But... On your first mega boss, the command trait you got mega bossy, and and that's that is a theme in lists with with mega bosses along with the artifact destroyer. Um, those are kind of your staple pieces that I see predominantly, and, and I make mention of this because next to the combo items like you know say an army like Magakin, right? Like say uh, the command trait which is like overpowering stench in that army, and and the artifact of power say the the the, the split horn that's what it's called, you know the split horn helm. Uh, the, the, the loadout you have with your mega bosses here is about as, as good as it gets, probably the best in the game as far as, as far as 
you know, load out to a unit, to a command trait, to a, 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 a an artifact of power. Well, that's why I made mention the comparison to the Magakin, because I think those are well-balanced to the units. Um, and then when I look at your second mega boss here on a Maw Crusher, I like the loadout with the Amulet of Destiny for the 6-plus ward save, because you're doing something very uncanny that a lot of Orc Warclan players are probably going to start doing now, but they're not doing previous. And I like the loadout with that 6-plus ward save. I mean, it, it, it's, it's an interesting balance to me of offense and defense, or I guess I guess in this particular case, sustainability in, in offense, I guess. Um, and, and that's obviously what you're going for, right? Yeah, the first one is to, like, supernova and do all the damage he can. Well, everything else kind of like works its way up the table. Um, having both Marcrosses in would be nice, but if I don't need to, I want to try and like pull the second unit through with the brutes okay. and get them all going at the same time, hopefully. All right. Um, and so having the second one be a little harder to kill means that they're probably going to focus on that first one that's all damage souped up. Yeah. While the second one moves along the board with the three units of brutes and the war chanter who can give all three of them extra damage and then they can all get mighty destroyers and move up together. And then they can all get into the game and be like a finishing crew, a little cleanup crew walking through to whatever survived from the grunts in the first mock crusher. Yeah. And, and you know, I want to bring up something to you that I don't know if you thought about and just kind of looking at this list earlier, specifically with your second mock crusher, for some reason, your second mock crusher, I found more interesting than the first one because it was different. It was, and I'm not saying one's better than the other. I'm not saying that, but it was, you loaded it out differently, but, and it got me thinking about some of the things in the book. And as a side note, I'd like to ask you this one loadout that I, that, that I've always wanted to try with, with a mega boss on a maw crusher is uh, if you were to take, say like the, the, the command trade, it's, it's, it's hulking brute. Um, you get a charge bonus on a two plus it equals, I think, you know, D three mortal wounds on the charge. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's really good on a unit built for the charge, as in a Maw Crusher is. Um, and I think you can also take, uh, as, as a choice, uh, an artifact of power. It's the Armor of Gork. Now, um, this really mirrors your loadout for your second Mega Boss here with, with a 6-plus ward save. And and I think it's also plus 1 to hit rolls, I believe, or plus 1 to wound. I think it's plus 1 to hit. Um, but I think it does limit your movement a little bit, so there's a little bit of a drawback with it because it's supposed to be this really heavy armor on this, on this orc. And I think it limits your right. movement by like two inches. Uh, but is that a sensible trade? I, I would, would you say, would you ever consider something like that? Maybe on the defensive one, I would, um, taking two inches away doesn't seem like a lot when they're not wounded, but seeing oh, as yeah. they're such okay. a, yeah. a target, their movement goes down to something like two inches when they start getting hurt. So if you have a two inch movement and you lose two inches, you're, Literally gonna have a maw crusher that's just a statue for the rest of the game standing there. Okay. Um, once you get down on the wounds, so that's the only reason I would possibly not use it. Because um, when you get down on that movement, it's—I mean, you get down to a six-inch movement. That's what—that's what the lowest is. And if you take two inches away, you got four-inch move. That guy's not getting into the game anywhere for the rest of the game. Um, and right. now he's just become a paperweight. Yeah, slow-moving target. It's funny because the foot soldiers move four, and you think it's not too bad, but it's a whole lot different when. It's a mock crusher that's supposed to be flying across the field. Yeah. And now he's at the same speed as your brutes. On a, on a five-inch pie plate, right, yeah. But but they are still deceptively fast. But but here's the thing. Let, let's stick with this real quick and wind this one down before we get to the next leaders and your heroes in, in your list. Uh, the loadouts on, on the mount traits, on the maw crushes. You know, uh, you've got Loudon, and you've on the second one, you've got Meenan. Um, so, so talk about that a little bit. Yeah, um, I don't use the maw crushes a lot. And it's something I'm trying to get more into. Okay. So looking into the mount traits, 
looking into the mountain trades, I was just looking at some that would kind of help for what I was doing. Um, the 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 one that was already supernova out, he's going to be hitting things fast. So giving him Loudon and giving him a three inch uh, a three inch instead of one model uh, roar is a big deal. Okay. So um, I was like, that, that seems like that would be pretty useful for what's going on there because you're going to try and hit multiple units if you can with him. Mortal wound everything, attack everything, and just get them all stuck in there. Mm -hmm. Knowing that if you really need to, you can fly away later. Okay. Um, I don't see anyone doing it, but it is possible. No. Um, I... And then with the mean, the mean in is for later in the game. When you stomp, you're going to guarantee more damage. So seeing as it's the cleanup crew, looking at your stomp, it's like, why not make this as painful as possible for someone after they figure they just walked through Gruntas and a Maukrasha and maybe even a Handigort set of brutes. And now they think, all right, well, now let's play the game. And you get hit with a stop for D6. That's pretty brutal. Right, right. And, and, and I like how you're carrying through uh, the, the rest of your heroes here. You've got you've got your orc, your, your weird knob shaman. He's back, you know, with, with the great with the, the, uh, the great big green Handigork again. And you got your war chanter, you know, with the fiction beat. Um, and, and, you know, if I can kind of jump ahead here, the, the, the war chanter with the fixing beat, you know, the air traffic controller, as I like to call them, um, I think that of the three beats that, that are that are there, I, I think this one, uh, I would say not only is in the majority of the lists of the time, but it's probably the best best one to take. I mean, D3 heal to me is the best of the three uh, when, when, I, when I look mm -hmm. at them. I mean, the other beats are good as well, but, you know, get them beat is, is, I guess, great for what? early game like you were saying when, when when you need to get a long distance charge to go off or something like that but after that i think the other two fall off pretty quickly but i think the uh the fiction beat is probably your stable one is that fair to say yeah get them beats great when you have two war chanters and you know you can run one up the table and that's why i had the amulet of destinies destinies the one could run up the table with the get them beat. Oh, okay try and get you your three dice charge and you know, now you've got a better chance of getting in with one of your units if you really, really need to make like that 10 squad in the other list. Okay. Um, the fix and beat, though, the fix and beat can heal up your maw crushes. If you're running around a weird knob and he's, you know, blowing up things and he's hurting himself, he can heal the, war ch or the weird knob. And all your guys are two wounds. So unless you're rolling all fives and sixes, you can heal up all your guys as well just because. And so every turn you can basically take wounds away on that four up. So is it the, the, the most scary? No, but it is the best for my style of play and keeping things on the table. No. And I've noticed your style of play is, is very balanced. I, I like the tit for tat that you have uh, in, in, in your list. Now looking at your, your, your troop choices, uh, your units here, um, here in the second list, you know, you're back with your heavy brute list, man. You got a unit of 10, two units of five, just like the previous list. You know, you got, now, again, I assume in this list too, the unit of 10 is, is with the, the, the yes. great weapons, right? Yes. I mean, yeah. Okay. And then the other two units of five, you're back with a pair of uh, brute choppas. Um, honestly, I, I love brutes. Um, I, I'm trying to right now, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm copying you, Joe, if you want to know the truth. I'm kind of copying this list in the way, but I'm going all brutes. Of course, you can't really do that. I do, I do have one list where I'm carrying, a, uh, like, I think it's like 15 um, hard boys. Uh, but it, it's, it's, uh, it's a list that I just, I just want to see if it'll work. Uh, but I do, I, I love brutes. I don't think you were there the day in the old book. I played all brutes and heroes and I played a double brute fist against Rob. He was not happy. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I'm, I'm it was 45 or 50 brutes. So no, it was a lot of fun, but I, you know what? And, and 
And that's that's a, I do want to hear about that one. But but for this particular case right now, when we're talking about the the brutes, the three units of brutes, do you use <laughs> these brutes differently with this list than you did with the the maw crusher list? Yes. Okay. So how do you use them in this list? On this list, the fives, a lot of times, are going to be guys that are getting handed gorked rather than the Maw Crusher, the Gruntos, or anything. Um, and where I'm coming at you from one line, a lot of people will try and screen and protect things. And then where they leave me a hole, I'm going to drop five brutes in and charge you from behind with things that are made to kill heroes. Um, and I'm going to try and snipe off things or important units that are four wounds or more. Um, and then the tens are going to be the real hammer coming through just killing anything that's left over. Okay. All right. And then, um, no, I, I, and I like that. So that is different because in your previous list, uh, you were kind of using them as kind of like the, 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 come behind, you know, after your, after your, your gore grunt has hit. And it seems like your gore grunt is even in this list have, uh, what, maybe a separate role to play. I mean, you, you got the unit here, minimum unit of three, you got them back with the pig iron choppas, but they, they're playing a different pattern role here. In this list. Yeah, they're probably charging something on an objective and blowing it up, and right. then hoping I'm in range of my 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 war chanter on the next turn for another damage buff mm-hmm. to go do it again while everyone pays attention to the the supernova out maw crush it. Got it, got it. Yeah, and, and you know, I think it's interesting the way that you are are playing the Gorgruntus. And a lot of people say, well, what the hell do you mean by that? He's got three of them in the freaking army, but these guys are good. Uh, and in many ways, I'm going to say this right now, possibly too good. Um, hence, hence the, the the piggy list, the bacon list that are out there out there. I mean, these guys got what five wounds apiece. Uh, they get to count as two models on an objective. They do impact uh, uh, wounds on a charge. Um, what's not to like about them? But I like the way that you're using them and the method you're using them because you know what? Honestly, it, it reminds me of how you see a lot of ogre players, uh, you know, using their cavalry. You know, you're using them more to hold up or damage a unit or weaken a unit that maybe you want you, you want another unit to kill or hold up for a round or two. And it's a, it's a, it's a different look. It's a different way that people have used Gore Gruntas or, or, you know, have not used them, I should say, that, that you're doing. Um, have you found success doing that? Yeah, um, they, they tend to be running around still in turns three and four because you don't have a whole army of them. And usually people are trying to figure out what needs to die in my lists because it's not the standard list. So then they either are focused on, which is fine, if everyone wants to spend their time killing my 15 wounds of Gorgrunts that are my only unit, that means my Brutes are running up the table and then they're going to hit you with more attacks than, and they're going to hit you with more damage. And I'm okay with it because the Brutes are all running two damage weapons. Okay. You know what? So, if you got a bonus on them, they're all three damage. So if you need to respect them, yeah. So out of the two lists that we've looked at tonight, I mean, I, let, me, let me say this. I'm, I'm jumping ahead here. But anything to add before we wrap up the review of both of these lists? Um, just that a lot of this is all just on the craziness of my mind. I know I'm not playing what everyone says to play. I'm just playing the units I like, and I get good at playing them. So I built these lists around that. Well, it wasn't with competitive balance in mind. It was, I got really good with his army playing the units I liked. So I'm going to continue to work ways to do that. You know, and, and I like the way you put that because, you know, we, we've talked about it off, you know, offline and, and, and we've said it here on the show, you know, any, anytime you're playing an army, if they, if they're successful or not, is it the army or the general? 
And I think a lot of that is prefaced off the amount of times you you pilot the army, how many times you play the army. Um, and I think there's a lot of a lot of truth to what you said. It doesn't mean you know, you, you're going to have to build something that you want to play because you're playing it, you're painting it, you're you know you're you're sniffing glue, you're putting it together, you're you're reading the book about it. And I think I think you you capture that essence specifically with Iron Jaws. And it's funny, I can't see you playing Bone Splitters or Cruel Boys it, because I don't know what your person. I, I, I and I know that sounds goofy to say, I really do, but you're kind of an, you're kind of an iron jaws kind of, kind of guy. You, 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 that's how you kind of play. That, that's your kind of style, but you also take in and folks for, for people that don't know Joe, he's, he's a coach, he's an athlete, you know? So you kind of put some of that, 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 that athleticism, that balance in there, you know, you can't go hard all the time. You know, sometimes you got to pace yourself or you get, maybe you got to, you got to, you got to pause in the situation and you do that with your lists. So I think that's where a lot of your success comes from as well. Is is really it's your it's your mentality, right? That that's your, it's your frontal lobe mentality of how you're actually building and playing this army. I think that offers a lot of your success, and you are successful with this army. Yeah, I appreciate that. Especially, um, there's a lot of phases to the game, right? And people look at Iron Jaws and say, okay, they're really good in the hero phase because they can move, and then they're really good in the melee phase. Well, now I have two wizards that can do things you have to respect. So now I'm starting to neutralize your magic. And if you have shooters, that's great, but now I can move around and I can hit you. So I'm starting to neutralize your phases so that the ones I excel in can even shine more. Yeah, right. And that's right. I feel like I build my units to, to play in late games and all different aspects. Yeah, well, and, and you do, and you do. Like I said, I, I've, I've been your opponent a couple of times, and, and, it's, uh, and, and you, play him, you play him very well. But so here's, here's the last proverbial question here on this, on this, on this interview. And, and by the way, man, I've really enjoyed this talk on Iron Jaws. But... In, in, in closing out this topic, are there is there is there any advice that you'd give to a new player coming into this army, or maybe a player that is trying to find their stride with an Iron Jaws army? What would what would Joe tell somebody like that about how to be successful or how to how to really dig into this army and play it well? Everyone is going to tell you that that army is going to be great off the bat, and everyone's going to start and have immediate success. The hard part is sustained success and finding out how to make all the synergies work to become super efficient. Because even though their cards are good, the top tier armies have a lot of combinations that can be better if you don't find a way to balance yourself out and really weather the storm. Um, So there's a little bit of a lull in the middle where you kind of start to fall off a little bit and you feel like you've lost some of your power. where you have to really work on the synergies of the different units and figure out how to really utilize what they do and what every rule on the card does, because you don't have as many cards as a lot of other armies. That's a, yeah, you know what? I like that advice. I do. I I was trying to picture myself, you know, because honestly, I don't have a lot of experience as a player, or I guess the word now is a pilot of, uh, of this army. Um, But I've, I've been an opponent of them. So I was trying to put myself in that, in that mindset and, and, I'd take that advice, man. I really would. But, uh, Joe, thank you very much, man, for the conversation on Iron Jaws. I mean, you, you're, you're a great ambassador for the Army, and, and, and I meant every word I said. You are, you are a, uh, a, a green-skinned mega-boss bastard. I meant all that. I, I really I did. I appreciate it. <laughs> all right, man. Got some closing thoughts for us? Um, I do. Yeah. Right. Um, so it's, it's kind of like a little, like a, a little just anecdote on, on myself. Uh, a couple years ago, started getting back into heavier tournament play and halfway through a tournament between night one and two, I kind of did a little reflecting and thought, man, I'm like not fun right now. And I don't like the conversations I'm having sometimes. Um, And I took a little break from the game and I came out of it and 
when I came back, I came back saying, you know what? I want to have fun again. I want to make sure this game is fun because this is a hobby for all of us. So what I really just wanted to throw out there for everyone was my, my big thought of the day is be the opponent you want to play against. Um, make sure you're the guy across the table that you would want to spend three hours playing. Um, and I think that'll make our game even better because in the end of the day, we're all pushing plastic models around a table to have fun on our free time. Um, none of us are getting paid for it. So be that guy you'd want to stand across the table with for three hours. Bravo, man. Bravo. And you know what? That's a great way to end the show. That is a wrap. Uh, Joe, thank you very much for being with us tonight. Talk Iron Jaws and, and uh, get, kind of giving us our, your, your philosophy on, on how you play the Army so well, buddy. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And, and when Oathbreakers are back around, we're, we're having you back on, man, because we got this guy also is, is equally as dangerous with Chaos Dwarves. So that's a promise, right? You're going to be back with us? Uh, that's a promise. You heard it here first. All right, man. Well, folks, thank you very much for joining us tonight, and make sure you're back with us next week as we discuss everything regarding dice dragons, demons, and a dwarf in the Warhammer worlds. And uh, until then, may the dice gods bless you and your sweaty palms. Good night, everyone. Have a uh, have a wonderful night. Bye. Grimdark Live would like to thank you for slumming through another show with us for all things dice, dragons, demons, and a dwarf in the Warhammer worlds. We'll be back again real soon, so until then, roll them dice fun and fair, and don't be a frickin' short pants. You can get your Grimdark Live fix on on our live show, or catch us on our Grimdark Live podcast. Never fear, gang, there'll be more great content from Grimdark Live coming to you each and every week. So stay tuned and stay grim while you dice-chucking, blue-sniffing gamer goons. You're all awesome. Looks like I picked the wrong week to stop sniffing blue. Remember to embrace the main message here on Grimdark Live, and that's a social contract we have between gamers and the commitment we have to each other in this community. We're only as good as our last game. Check us out at GrimdarkLive.com, and don't forget to subscribe, follow, and recommend Grimdark Live to your friends. So long, Grimdark goons. Until next time, may the dice gods bless you and your sweaty palms. Bye.